Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Hello and welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today I have a nice little short episode for you. Now, at least I think it will be short. Sometimes I say that and then I'm like, oh, it was 45 minutes. But I uh, do think this will be a shorter one for you all today to digest. I am getting ready to take off tomorrow morning and head to Arizona for a week and I'm going to be in training for five days. This is part of my somatic experiencing training program. I'm wrapping up my second full year and for the last two years I have been in training on Zoom. So this will be my first in-person training. So I'm really excited about that because It's really hard for me to be on Zoom for six hours a day trying to pay attention. (laughs) And I think I will do a lot better in person. Also, as cool as it is that we can do somatic experiencing over Zoom, and I do that with majority of my clients, there is so much more information to pick up in person when you are paying attention to someone's body. So it will be a really great uh, training to be doing that in person and picking up on further cues from the body. And that's something I hope to offer more in the future is opportunities for in-person things. And I've also been with this cohort for two years, so it'll be really nice to meet everyone in person. So that's what's up with me. I'm always excited to come out of these trainings having a deeper understanding of the nervous system and of chronic and traumatic stress and how we can work with all those things. So I'm sure it will provide me with a lot of beautiful nuggets to uh, provide on the podcast and in other content I create and on my email list. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, uh, what I wanted to talk about today is inspired from a lot of the short videos I've been making, and I don't think I've talked about it like this on the podcast. I've definitely talked about trauma, and in the episode where I talk more in depth about trauma, we talk a lot about childhood. But I want to talk specifically about why I always ask my clients about their childhood. So when people come to me, 
they're usually drawn to working with me because they have chronic gut issues in some form. And it's quite a spectrum of the symptoms that people are experiencing. And they often experience some level of mental stress, whether that's more on the side of anxiety, hypervigilance, easily overwhelmed, obsessive thinking, feeling like they always need to go, 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 stay busy, perfectionism, etc., or whether they experience more disassociation, depression, apathy, fatigue, brain fog, or they might go between either which if you've been listening for a while, you can probably connect which states of the nervous system those experiences in our mental health are linked to. And so part of working with clients, when we sit down for our initial consultation, I have those at two hours. Why they're two hours long is because there's a lot to go over and a big component of what we do in that first initial consultation is look at their childhood. I am curious how they feel about their childhood, what their relationship with their parents were, what they might be identifying as something that was traumatic or impactful, how they felt their state of their nervous system might have been. So if they were someone who remembers being anxious or hypervigilant as a child, or they went into more states of dissociation and kind of make believe and trying to be out of their body and their environment, you know, if their environment was safe, what their connection to their parents felt like. And we talk about all these things to whatever level is of comfort to that client at that time. But what I start to do at this point is create what I call a timeline. So I'm taking notes on what they're telling me about their childhood and then we explore their relationship to one of their parents and then we explore their relationship to their other parent and usually I start to see patterns right away. It's kind of like a little detective exploration for me to see if I can find those patterns that developed in childhood. So I want to take an opportunity to explain a little more in depth why that is so important. So the first thing is that there is a phenomenon, I guess I'll call it, called intergenerational trauma. So of course, we can experience trauma in our life and pretty much all of us do experience trauma to some extent. But trauma can be passed down to us through generations. It can be passed down through three generations. So your parents, your grandparents, and your great-grandparents. So this is where understanding a bit about someone's childhood and their relationship to their parents, and then I also ask what they know about their parents' childhood. And if anything comes up about their grandparents, we'll explore that a little bit too because I'm looking for patterns. Does there tend to be some beliefs or protective mechanisms or coping skills or nervous system states or mental health states or emotional suppression or anything that seems to be kind of a theme here that's passed down? You know, what am I noticing that seems to have been part of, you know, a generation back or each generation passing down to this client. So knowing that things can be passed down and we might be born with intergenerational trauma that could impact 
our mental states and our overall health and our nervous system health and how we perceive the world as either safe or not safe or what we perceive as a threat or not, that can be something that is inherited. So I'm looking for patterns there. The next reason I'm looking at this area is because when we are in the womb, we can actually be impacted by any stress or anxiety or depression that our mother was experiencing. So whether our mother went through a really stressful period or whether she was someone who struggled with anxiety or depression and struggled with that through the pregnancy, we can take some of that on. And then when we're born, we actually take on our mother's vagal tone. So if our mother had a low vagal tone, we can be born with a low vagal tone. And as we know, our vagal tone is about the health of our vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is the main communicator between our gut and our brain, and it helps us get into that parasympathetic rest and digest state, which we need to be in to properly digest and absorb our food and be able to recover from stress. So we could be born with low vagal tone. It's also shown that the level of neurotransmitters our mother has, we are born with the same level. So serotonin, for example, is produced in the gut. 90% is produced in the gut. And a lot of us know serotonin as the happy hormone. It's what helps us feel stabilized in our moods and experience more happiness. And it has a lot of other roles in helping our gut function properly and a lot of other things throughout our body. So we can be born with the same levels of neurotransmitters that our mother had. And if she had low levels of serotonin, say, we could be born with low levels of serotonin. And often when we're depressed or we might be experiencing some gut issues, um, we have low levels of serotonin, right? If we're given antidepressants, it's to up some of those neurotransmitters, namely serotonin and, and some others. So that's another reason, trying to understand about what the client's mother, what she was like, you know, of what, what they remember, what was her like life like? What was her childhood like? What kind of trauma did she endure? What, do you remember her always being stressed out and anxious? Or do you remember her being depressed? Or was she like really present and loving? Do you know if she had a stressful pregnancy or went through any um, impactful events or anything traumatic or grief or loss or anything like that. So that's another area that we're going to be kind of exploring and another reason why it's so important to understand this part of someone's childhood. And I will share here that, you know, I have had digestive issues since I was an infant. And, you know, in general, that doesn't really make sense to be born with digestive issues, right? When we're born, it's relatively of, you know, we, we should have everything functioning pretty well <laughs> um, as long as there was no complications with our birth or anything. And, and for me, there wasn't. But um, being that I had digestive issues at so young, I suspect it is because um, my mother uh, has always dealt with anxiety and, and at times depression. And I know she has some pretty intense childhood trauma uh, that I don't know that she's ever been able to be supported through um, truly working on it. I, I know she hasn't. And I have no doubt that uh, her 
vagal tone is and was low, that neurotransmitters were also low, that there was a lot of anxiety in her body when I was in the womb. I know that there was conflict with her and my father, and I know there's intergenerational trauma. So when I consider being born with gut issues, for me, it comes from that. It comes from what was passed down to me from my mother and also my father and from my family. And it's not a bad thing. There's no pointing fingers. There's no blaming. It's kind of just an inevitable part of life. And I find it really empowering that I can know this about myself and understand this. And in ways it, one, gives me more compassion for my experience of, you know, struggling with symptoms and, you know, the times I was trying so hard to fix them and it wasn't working. I have a lot more compassion for this entire experience. And two, it informs the way I heal. So when I understand where these symptoms originated, at least some of them, or, you know, one large component of their origination, then that informs how I go about healing my symptoms and dealing with them when they flare up. So there's my experience with that part. Okay, so now the child is born and the first three years of a child's life are really important for a couple different reasons. For one, our microbiome is being established within the first three years of our life. At the same time, our brain is going through really important developmental stages and we're starting to learn about the world and what's safe and what's not. So, of course, it's important what's happening at this time in our home environment. So if we're in an unsafe environment and we're hypervigilant and on edge and scared, well, of course, that's going to cause a level of stress that's going to impact our microbiome, that's going to impact the way our brain develops, that's going to impact how our nervous system becomes programmed and how we look at the world. And this is where it comes into how important it is the way we are connecting to our caregivers. So when we are little babies, all we really know about the world is our caregivers. And we are dependent, absolutely dependent on our co-regulation with our caregivers. Our nervous systems are looking to them for cues as to tell us that we're connected, we're loved, we're safe, everything is okay. So if our caregivers are dysregulated in their own nervous system, if they're experiencing stress, anxiety, depression, if they're struggling with their own trauma, if they're struggling with addiction, if they have their own mental health things that they're working through, if they're unable to connect with us emotionally, if they're unable to provide for us what we need, that's going to greatly impact our nervous system and therefore how everything gets programmed within our nervous system and the way we look at the world, what's safe, what's not. It's going to impact how our microbiome gets programmed. It's going to impact how our gut brain communication gets programmed. And then, you know, as we age and get older, this develops a little bit further on an emotional level where we're a little bit more dependent on our parents now on emotional attuning. And so again, if we sense anything might be wrong with them, if they're not present or emotionally available, or they might deny our emotions by saying, don't cry, or, you know, just chin up, 
or it's not that bad, or if they are telling us to be a certain type of person or denying our authentic expression or our sexual orientation or our gender identity, um, if they are like hovering over us and breaking boundaries of our own sense of self and like kind of being controlling or really pushing us to be successful or, you know, be a certain type of person. These are all examples of things that could be traumatic and really impact the way our nervous system responds to the world. So that's a big, big reason there why I look at you know, the childhood and these early years. Then, of course, if we went through any kind of trauma that may or may not have to do with our caregivers, I just gave a lot of little examples that we may not think of as trauma, but there could be a divorce, there could be a move, there could be bullying, there could be just being left out, you know, not invited to a birthday party. Um, There could be like witnessing arguments or um, sometimes if we're a highly sensitive person, like like I was, um, or I am, but, you know, was as a kid, you might even pick up on, like, the energy and emotion and, and pain of a caregiver, but not even really understand it. Um, just, you know, our environment <laughs> really shapes so much of who we are. And at these early stages, we adapt. And this is often where we start to get into a pattern in our nervous system, we found something that helps us cope with the fear or the shame or the sadness or the longing or the loss or the anger or whatever it is that like we're not getting that we needed, that we want. This helps us, we, we find something that helps us cope with that. And that can often become something that's programmed within us called a protective mechanism that we take into our adulthood. And sometimes that's putting us in a state of dysregulation. So let me give an example of that. So a client shared this during an initial consultation. They grew up with a father who left and got remarried really quickly. And they felt really abandoned by this father. And the father came back into their lives maybe a year later after that and In the earlier years, as a kid, they would go towards sugar as kind of a way to just like deal with some of those emotions and feelings, which was really a lot of anger being built up. And as they got older, they started to go towards other forms of kind of like escaping and dissociating, so like playing a lot of video games. And as they got older, then they started to turn to other forms of dissociating, like smoking a lot of weed and then kind of fell into a deep depression. And a lot of this was because there was a lot of anger there at their father, but they weren't ever really able to really express that or complete that in the way that it needed to be. And so, you know, after a long time of anger building and that kind of more flight or fight response that doesn't get to be expressed, what can happen is that we might collapse into that dorsal vagal shutdown, which looks like for them a deep depression for a while where they really um, just didn't leave the bed for, for quite some time. Another example from a client is 
someone who was abandoned and neglected by her mother. Um, her mother had an addiction and left uh, at an early age, kind of was in and out of her life. And, you know, that little child self would have wondered, you know, what's wrong with mom? And, you know, something to remember is like, at, as children, we're self-centered. Like we don't have an understanding of the world yet outside our own experience. So therefore, if something is wrong with mom or with dad or whoever is our caregiver, then we kind of assume that it's because of me, like something's wrong with me. So, you know, since she never got that mothering love that she needed and wanted and she never really got what she wanted from her, she kind of created this mechanism, two different mechanisms. One was to just take care of everyone else and put everyone else first, be the helper, because it was safer to focus on other people's needs and getting those needs met. And then another response was going into the flight mode. And this is really common. And this is uh, the response that I experienced too. And I can share about my own experience a little bit. Um, But to just go, 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 do, do, do as a way to like kind of be distracted from that abandonment, that neglect, that pain, that emotion there was like a way to be safe. Well, if I just stay busy, if I just accomplish, if I just get things done and take care of everyone else, then everything will be okay and I don't have to focus on me and my needs and the needs that aren't being met. And then that manifests as different things throughout, you know, her adult life of like, you know, always traveling, working a lot, like a lot of adventures or just like never being able to like truly slow down. And when she tries to, it feels really uncomfortable and unsafe, which is a very similar experience that I have. I learned that a flight response was a really great way to keep me safe. I think it started when I was younger as more of like, I would, the obsessive thinking would happen and it was kind of like if I went up in my head then I wasn't experiencing the feelings in my body so I'd be in my head and I played a lot of imaginary games um, which is normal as a kid but I remember playing a lot of imaginary games and I feel like I remember like it was like a safe zone to go and like play Barbies in my room and I don't have a strong memory, but I have an embodied memory. Like I don't have the memory in my brain, but I have the felt sense in my body of, I remember like being in my room and like there was like scary feelings outside of the room and I was safe in there playing Barbies or watching a lot of TV as a way to just like kind of distract. Um, And then it became like this thing in high school it was like becoming obsessed with the to-do list and always like always being away from home and being at all the parties and doing all the things and I got into this habit of feeling like I always need to do 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 go 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 and that is something that you know can still feel a little uncomfortable is like really trying to slow down or not do all the things because that was a way that I felt safe when you know I could sense something wrong with my dad's addiction or you know in my parents um, relationship and through their divorce and some of the traumatic things that happened there so these are just some examples there's a lot of examples Um, I would love to give more Um, this will be something that we'll do in gut brain healing toolkit and uh, the participants will have the opportunity to share about some of these things that we could all 
learn from. And since I'll be doing somatic experiencing with participants in front of the group, um, inevitably some things will come up that we didn't realize were connected to experiences or sensations or symptoms or emotions that we feel in our body. So it's a lot of powerful learning to happen in community. So that was what I wanted to cover today is those main reasons why it's so essential to look at our childhood. And really it's just because so much of our experience that we have as an adult is shaped by our childhood and our inner child. We, we all have an inner child that sometimes can still run the show. Those early years of our life are so important and so formative and they really inform so much about how we think about the world and of ourselves and others and our beliefs and the protective mechanisms we develop and the patterns that we develop and how our nervous system responds and how our microbiome is established and our gut-brain connection is established and our vagus nerve and our level of neurotransmitters. All of these things happen in those early stages of our life, not to mention our brain development and our body development. So we can't ignore those things because a lot of the people who come to see me, they've had chronic symptoms. And when we've had chronic symptoms for a long time, they pretty much always go back to childhood. And I have other episodes on here about, you know, like the link between IBS and trauma. It's a huge, huge link. This is something I just keep talking more and more about because it is huge. Um, But it applies to way more than just IBS, right? Um, Our early experiences, those adverse early life experiences especially, have such an impact on us. And, you know, it doesn't need to be this big, heavy thing, um, you know, that's like, oh, man, like, wow, that's what it is or like, that our parents are bad or, you know, if we are a parent ourselves, that we're going to inevitably traumatize our children. No. <laughs> um, I actually talked with uh, Leisha Aerosmith. There's an episode with her. She, she helps moms work through their um, healing uh, and, and use being a mother as a, you know, a way to do that. I don't think that We need to be scared of passing things down. I think a lot of it's inevitable, um, but it's, it's not to like point fingers at anybody or, you know, develop a ton of anxiety that we're going to pass things down to our children or traumatize them. Um, the world itself is traumatizing, so, um, they will probably get traumatized no matter what you do. Um, there's a lot of ways that we can learn to be, you know, really more regulated humans for not only our children, but for everyone in our life. But we just want to have a lot of compassion for the human experience because we all go through it and a lot of it's inevitable and really just having awareness around it and doing what we can to support the healing of our nervous systems and of our past you know, childhood traumas and to build resiliency in our nervous systems is really the best thing we can do and just have compassion for ourselves along the way. And um, for some people, they need to be angry maybe at their parents for a little bit. Some people might need to forgive and have compassion. It really just depends on where you're at in your process. 
There's no specific thing that needs to happen in any specific timeline. It's You have all right to feel what you feel. Um, if you're looking for any support with this kind of stuff, come check out the Gut Brain Healing Toolkit. Um, I provide a lot of tools for working with the inner child and understanding our trauma and learning how we can hold space for that trauma and process it ourselves and then provide you um, opportunity to work with me and process that on a deeper level. So again, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you have a regulated and resilient day. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.